The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? It's showtime! From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir, yes, sir, Bob. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Dave, and welcome to the Boston Podcast, the city's only independent Monday through Friday podcast, uh, daily podcast that I know of or I've heard of. If you've heard of one, then let me know. That would be news to us. Maybe we can feature you on the podcast. Wouldn't that be a thing? So, happy Monday, everyone. Hope your Monday's going well. Over the weekend, uh, I saw that new Elton John flick, Rocket Man, and so did my buddy Milt, who joins me on the line from parts unknown somewhere around the New York area. Michael Milt Wolf returns to the program. How are you? It's a, it's a cheap excuse to have me back, isn't it? Even though yeah. I'm clearly the highest rated member of the Boston Podcast Network uh, guest star contingent, right? You, I mean, you the might, ratings are clear. You might the be in the top. lie. You, <laughs> yeah, they don't lie, and you might be in the top 12 or so. I think something <laughs> like <don't> that, <laughs> but you should be higher. You know, I mean, you know, you don't do it for the critics, do you? You don't do it for the, for the numbers. You don't do it for those sort of accolades. You it's do for it the for love the, of the game. It's for the love of the game. It's whatever for the fans. It's for the fans. We do it for the fans, man. They're just trying just to have any. <laughs> just actually, before yeah. we get into yeah. into Rocket Man, that actually brings something up. We're talking about do it for the fans. Did you know this weekend there was a heavyweight boxing? Oh. Out? I, I, about for the heavyweight championship of the world? The only reason I know is because I saw a tweet from Bill Simmons, and I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I check it every now and again, and Bill Simmons said, I'm shocked, I can't believe this. And I clicked through, and it said, this guy is the new heavyweight champion of the world. And some... I get like a big fat Mexican guy. That's not it's, meant. That's that, not meant to be uh, uh, pejorative, by the way. It's just no, descriptive, no. Right? They, yeah. they they actually talk to. He talks about himself in that. that okay, way. but it it made me think of you and us in particular because you know back in the day, you know when we were walking to school with no shoes on uphill both ways. <laughs> right. The, a heavyweight championship boxing match yeah. was a, a a cultural event. Yeah, that's funny you say that because I was just thinking about the night when. You and I and a few others like went to somebody's house, and this was we were in college at the time, so it was a big deal to like leave campus. But whoever we, whoever house we went to, had the pay per view, and we watched. It was I want to say it was Larry Holmes and Mike Tyson, and it was that over. Is exactly, right. you remember oh, that? Was yeah, it, was it? Yeah, it was Tyson Holmes. Oh, I yeah, think, when Tyson beat the crap out of him, and it was like the end of an era kind of thing. Yeah, they, and we were. I remember we weren't watching, but Bust, when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson, obviously it was a big thing. Yep. And go back even further when, you know, pre-pay-per-view, you know, these things were shown on ABC, Wild World of Sports or whatever, and time. you just yep. watched. You watched Leon Spinks, right? Yep. yep. I, I, it just, it's yeah. not a big thing anymore. I, mean, I, don't, I, couldn't, I couldn't decide whether it was because there's an inherent negativity around boxing now because it's just straight brutal. You know, everything about concussions in football is, it's the whole sport, basically, in boxing. So... Is it because of that, or did pay-per-view rob the everyday culture 
aspect of that sport? It's a great question. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, and it's a it's a steady. It was a slow burn from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, it they uh, it's no secret that horse racing and boxing were the two at one point the two biggest sports of the country, right? And yeah. now it's like neither is 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 matters in the smallest bit. And I just caught a new document. I think it's a new documentary on. A, Thing is Netflix. Anyways, it's about Muhammad Ali, and it's called. You know what? I don't think it is Netflix. I think, I think it's, it's HBO. Amazon or, or HBO. HBO. You're yeah. right. And it's called uh, "Say My Name," Muhammad Ali. And it, it, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. No. Yeah, and it's like, we do we really need another Muhammad Ali documentary? I've and, seen so many. I yeah, mean. and this one is welcome because the style of the documentarian is very sort of hands off. And it's just sort of a tapestry of Ali talking on a talk show, but he lets the clip go a little bit longer than your average filmmaker would do. So you just kind of drink it in, and and you hear these little aside comments that from Ali directly that you you maybe haven't seen before. Anyway, but I was reminded of that fight when you and I went and see it was appointment viewing, and because Larry Holmes is depicted in this documentary. And it was, and then they also show a couple little clips of non-Ali fights, like Holmes Norton and and Norton Spinks and whatever. And I remember all of these guys, and now I couldn't name one boxer. It makes you including kind the of miss it a little bit, right? Little bit. And and on top of that, you've got to go and watch. There's a I watched a five minute recap of the bout uh, video that somebody put up. Okay. To uh, the other fighter, the the actual heavyweight champion of the world was apparently like the big name in the sport. Like um, right, and he's exactly what you would think the heavyweight champion would look like. He's chiseled. He's huge. Right. He's got incredibly long arms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, it's exactly what you would think you would want to have. His name was Anthony Joshua. Was right. his name? Right. Right. He's and the champ. The, former champ. The other guy is a fat tub of lard. <laughs> and it, to the point that apparently they interviewed him before the bout and they, they were like, are you upset that people are calling you the kid from up? <laughs> and uh, the boxer's like, I can't be upset because I kind of look like him. Yep. And this fat tub of lard who's shorter and t- significantly tubbier than the, this chiseled Adonis God yep. beat the shit out of him. Amazing. I would have liked to have seen, I I'm, see I'm upset in a way that it was not, you know, it didn't even occur to me to watch this thing, nor did I even know it was happening. Right. And then I find yeah. out this amazing moment happened and I realized I kind of, in a weird way, miss that drama. I miss it a little bit too, because yeah. the, the appointment sports viewing are, you know, they're, they're few and far between, you know, I mean, the NFL every Sunday is appointment viewing. You know, baseball is kind of like the background of the summer, and you catch a game here and there. Yeah, but big events. Uh, I'm with you. And you just you just go watch it because if you, will, even yeah. the way he he hits is not he doesn't look like a boxer. He looks like somebody they picked up out of the crowd mm-hmm. with you know with belly hanging over his boxing shorts, throwing these weird punches. Like uh, it's hilarious. Love it. I actually got a huge, and now he's heavyweight champion. So there you go. Amazing. It could be you and me. <laughs> dare we dream why not it's not too late it's never too late except there. that it's yep. definitely too late so this is just uh darn good podcasting if you ask me that you and i arranged to both watch rocket man this highly anticipated biopic of elton john on the same day we, we both just saw it uh yesterday right as this we weekend. record this yep, yep. Mm-hmm. 
And so we're going to get, this is what we'll do. First of all, to, to tease the, the meat and potatoes of this particular episode, we're going to give you, ladies and gentlemen, the top 10 movies about music, which we will define in great and annoying particulars in a, in a moment, the 10 best movies about music ever by way of a draft. So Michael picks a uh, movie, I pick a movie, and we try to both assemble a, uh, a roster of five, which will assemble 10. And then we'll mention a bunch of others also that we had on our list. So that's coming up. Spurned uh, and inspired by Rocket Man. So what we're going to do is we'll tell you, we'll give you a little brief review. And then maybe at the end of the pod, we'll give a, a spoiler full review. But for now, we'll give a, a spoiler free review. Although now that I think about it, are there spoilers in a biopic? It's like if you, uh. if you know anything about Elton John, I guess there are, there are some things that people might not want to know, but I don't know. So what did you think? So what did you think? We haven't talked well, about it you, yet. What did you think? What did you think? I, <laughs> I thought it was, I had high hopes. First, I had low hopes when I saw the first trailer because the actor who's, I don't even know the actor's name, although I've seen him in everything. He's, he's in a bunch of different things. What's his name? Do you know he was name? in Kingsman. Um, yeah, and he was Eddie the Eagle. He, he's a good young actor. And when I first saw the trailer, I thought, this guy looks like someone who dressed up like Elton John for Halloween. That's what he looked like to me. But the problem is, that's the way Elton John dressed. So what are you going to do, I guess? Then I heard it was amazing, and I was like, this is great. So long story short, it's a really good movie. It, to me, it's like an A-. minus. It didn't completely blow my skirt up. Uh, it To me, it it was a musical in the in the good sense in that it, it is challenging to do a musical because it's that whole departure from reality where it's like you know the the characters are having a serious scene and all of a sudden it's like and i think it's gonna be a long long time before our dessert gets here or whatever you try to weave it in right uh and i thought it pulled that off enjoyable from start to finish and i loved the way that it didn't duck any of the tough stuff in his life particularly his sexuality uh also drug use and that but Anyway, that's me. What do you think? I hated it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is great. I can't let wait me, to hear me, There's two points I need, really three points. First of all, I went with my, my wife and my son, both of them who loved it. So all they right. were definitely in your camp, yeah. in particular my son, but both of them really, really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And I should point out the fact that I went in on this movie almost cold. I okay. read nothing about it. Mm -hmm. I don't even... I saw some commercials on TV about it, but I did not go in thinking that this wasn't going to be a straight biopic. So what you mentioned is dead on. It is a movie that uses the music of Elton John to bring about aspects of his life in a almost Broadway style production yeah, story. It's, right? a, it's a musical. It's it's by definition, it's a musical, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't how, know that okay. going in. And about see 15 minutes you. in, when I realized what it was, I I was like, oh my God. And, and I should also point out. when the I, Excuse me, when the, when the seven-year-old version of Elton John is singing the bitches back and you're trying to... <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, weird. I thought yeah. was ironic. Yeah. I thought they were just doing that at the beginning. Then they were going to start the regular movie, right? And it just kept going. Right. And so I want to make clear, like what we talked about when we talked about the Game of Thrones. I'm one of these people who goes into the movie theater wanting to like the movie. Like this, I'm not. You do, yeah. Here. You do. I, I, I pay. I love the experience of sitting in the theater with the great sound, and yeah. now with the seats leaning back, and yeah. I, I just love the whole thing. But when I realized what they were doing. 
and I, I tried hard for about half an hour. And I was like, well, right. you know, it's inventive. And, oh, that's kind of cool what they did there. And then I suddenly realized about half hour, 45 minutes, I said, wait a minute. I don't like this at all. You, you had to strain to enjoy it, in other words. Yeah. I, you know, it reminded me. Did you ever see the film uh, Across the Universe? No, I know what you're talking about. The okay. Beatles-inspired film, right? Exactly. It used yeah. uh, uh, Beatles songs, um, and it was a it was a created story. It was a fictional story, but had all these big names in this movie. Bono was in it for a minute, all redoing Beatles songs and creating these really a lush lush set pieces and and performances. And it was fine watching Across the Universe because it was a, a unique story. You know, I understand the Elton John connection to that style. You know, Elton is bigger than life and he's almost right. like a walking Broadway show. Right. So to do a movie in that style for Elton made sense. It didn't, it took me out of the story Got every yep. single time. Yep. I kept wanting to, you know, you're right. It dug into, it did not ignore, like it, like Freddie Mercury stuff almost blew past some of the issues with his life in Bohemian Rhapsody. This movie didn't do that for the most part. If, yeah, if anything, time, it, if anything, it, it took maybe too much, you know, it, it took well, yeah, it, a lot of like, bandwidth on that, yeah. Except it felt like Elton was, A, too involved himself. Like, this was the movie he wanted to make. Well, that's true, um, according to reports. And, oh, is it? Yeah, See, I and even... I saw the actor who's, instead of referring to him constantly as the Taron actor. Taron Egerton is his okay, name. Okay, Egerton, right, Eggie. Uh, so, <laughs> so I saw Eggie on uh, Kimmel, I think, and... They've become friends. Egg, Edgar, Egerton? Egerton? Sorry. Karen Egerton. Egerton, okay. Uh, and so he talks on the phone to Elton John, and Elton John, like, it's kind of, I guess, cute in a way, for lack of a better word. Elton John is emailing him saying, hey, we got an, another good review, and hey, we got another. So he's like the friend that is, all of a sudden, Elton John is this guy's friend that is kind of annoyingly emailing him every five minutes, you know? So, oh. yeah, he they were, Elton was definitely all in on this. Um, and you and I think yeah. it, it was for the worse. I think you yeah. know. I would love to know whether he was the one who made the decision not to do a straight biopic and to do this a lavish musical presentation of his life. But I'm telling you, every time there was like a big dramatic moment, and they break out into song, I just I get it when they're doing that for you know musical, literally musicals. You know, you're seeing a show that the songs sort of blend into that. This I, it didn't need it. I wanted, I wanted something like, you know, we will get into some of them before, but other musical biopics that the music plays a role in, right? You know, we'll get like into Bohemian what's Rhapsody, better, for example. But but yeah. doesn't it, I get it? I get that it was Elton John, so therefore it matched his persona, but it made the movie, in my mind, much, much, much worse. Well, it's good advice for people going to see the movie because you gotta you gotta strap in for this ride. If you don't sort of you know, disconnect from reality, then it is going to suck. The The complaint you have about this movie sounds like the complaint I had about the movie Chicago, which most people loved, the one with Richard Gere and Kath yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Best I, picture winner. Best picture winner. Ugh, come on. Give me a break. Like, I mean, it. I mean, like, okay, so I get it's a great play, so we're going to make it into a great movie, but some, when, when they break into song, there were moments where the song was depicted on a stage. So now it's like we're a movie. Like, you don't have to have the stage. The stage is a construct of 
the play. The only reason why there's a stage even for a play is because the actors need something to stand on. In other words, the the actual stage is kind of takes away from you trying to imagine that you are in a Chicago courtroom. You see what I'm saying? In the movies, you're not constrained by that construct, and yet they put them back on the stage for some reason. The whole thing was fucking confusing. Anyways, so... This movie <laughs> felt like it was written and should have been a Broadway show. Simple well, as that. And instead, they yeah, made it into enough, a movie, yeah. and it didn't it it didn't work for me at yeah, all. And you're, you're absolutely right. If you... Anybody who's listening to this, if you do not like movie musicals, Right. Do not go see Rocket and Man. It's hard, you will yeah. dislike it. Well, it's hard to make one, and your complaint is exactly why. It's and it's, I, it's I hard like to musicals. make a good one. You, you, you didn't it, need this to you be. You almost musical. have to go total kitsch like Greece. You know, Greece, everybody loves Greece, right? Or at least right. it has a place in your heart or whatever. Uh, but that was total kitsch, total weirdness, total, you know, people in their thirties playing teenagers, like the whole thing, you know. So, uh, thumbs, two, two, thumbs big down. Thumbs big down for you. I time. give it a thumbs up. Viva yeah. la difference, as, yeah, as they I like said. Uh, you know, I, I, and I respect your opinion as wrong, yeah. <laughs> as wrong headed and idiotic <laughs> as it is, borderline moronic. I respect your opinion. Hey, wait a minute here. So, two quick questions before we move on. One, no, one comment and one question. The comment is I've decided why I have not made it big in show business, and the reason is. I did not have completely shitty parents because because every story about every celebrity in every biopic for some reason the parents just suck they're just they're oh. horrible and my parents are above average no I love my parents whatever but um, I just think that's such a trope and um, but you know I'm not questioning Elton's version of the story my you know who um, yep. who plays his mom in that movie is um, Bryce Dallas Howard who is familiar. Ron Howard's daughter. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah, I could. The whole movie, I'm looking at her like, she looks familiar. She looks familiar. She looks familiar. And she's been been in movies like The Help. She was in a great episode of Black Mirror, which, by the way, comes oh, back yeah. this week. Very excited. Oh, that's that. excellent news. That's great news. This week, I believe. Yeah, she um, looked super familiar excited. to me. The I thought I was a genius because uh, my girlfriend, in the course of the movie, says, you know who that guy is? That's... Rob Stark. Uh, Rob Stark. And I was like, you're right. That's the guy who played Rob Stark in Game of Thrones. And I said, thinking I'm a genius, I go, you know who the dad is? Elton John's dad. I said, that is, oh my God, his name just went out of my head. Why can't I think? Uh, what, Doogie Hauser. What the hell is his name? He's got Wait, three names. No. Just say his name. I can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, you can't think of it either. Doogie Hauser. Oh my God, we're old. Doogie Hauser. Well, yeah. I mean, we're not that old. I mean, he's he's been around. Oh my lately, God. The, so. Our listeners are just slaying oh, us right now. No, uh, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah. If they haven't tuned out by now, they really should. But yeah, uh, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. There we go with the three names. That was not Neil Patrick Harris. No, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> 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 But I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was because he looks just like him, and I thought they put some makeup on him, and I thought they were. It was sort of a a cloying, you know, wink to put a, a gay icon as his dad, oh, as his disapproving funny, dad. No, it was not him. Not it, him. it was not. It's another actor, Jim and he did a nice well job. Played Bernie Taupin. He was very. You know, I should say all the performances of the movie are excellent. All right, don't I, like. I, I, don't try to get out of your. Uh, no, no, no. You can, I can respect the performance. Yep. I just, the whole thing, just, no. Okay. Just a no. No. All right. All right, we move on. We move on. Oh, no, my question is this. Who do you want, oh, who yeah. would you want to see next? Biopic of, of someone in music, or either a band or an artist. Um, 
you know, someday I need to know the Stevie Wonder story. Yeah, um, no one's done that, huh? No. I, I, maybe he won't give up the rights or something like that. I, mean, I would like to see Stevie Wonder. I think Tom Petty would be a great biopic. Wow. You know, he went bankrupt and... Yeah. You need he, to have some to, ups and downs, right? Yeah, you need to have, like, the way I describe and we'll talk more about this, you know, a great music biopic, and not all the films I love are biopics, but they have that behind the music thing, you know, the nobody with the rise, and then the fall, and then the redemption, you know, it's that bouncing. Yep. Um, Tom Petty's had a little bit of that, I think. Uh, Okay, that's a good one. So Petty, Stevie Wonder, uh, Donny Hathaway is somebody, we talked about him on a podcast before, but he was an amazing singer who killed himself and there's some questions as to whether he actually did or not whether something was staged he had he had major mel- mental illness that people didn't know about well that one probably better for a doc because i don't know yeah. with, with the with the bio and we're going to get into this later biopics are tough like it's tough yeah. when you're trying to imagine like even with i enjoyed rocket man but there were moments where i was like well eh, it definitely didn't sound like elton john there you know <laughs> uh, yeah, i want to talk to you about the ending too because that there's a particular scene that I think we're not going to give anything away, but I think it was an example of how hard it is to do a biopic. Yeah, you know? yeah. Mine is uh, is kind of stupid and self serving because he's my, one of my favorites. But I think Billy Joel would make the go- a good topic for a biopic because he he kind of had a rough youth. He committed. He tried to commit suicide. He didn't commit suicide. That would be interesting. He tried Ooh. to commit suicide um, at least once. And you know oh, he's marriages. been he's been divorced. He's been ripped off by his uh, accountant. Manager. He's yep. and uh, and by some accounts he's a complete asshole. Which would I just think might make the story more interesting. His his former beloved drummer Liberty Devito said, uh, you know, Billy basically fired the whole band at one point, including Liberty, and and <laughs> that was in his that documentary, the one that he participated in. Did you read that one? No, I think what was it called? My Life. Okay, I think. Great read. Really? Because awesome. unlike most, the one thing I will give Billy Joel credit is he's got warts, right? Yeah. And he doesn't mind talking about them. Yeah. And so he, here's Liberty DeVito in the book, trashing him. And, you know, Billy Joel was involved in this book, but he was oh, really honest and he let it all out, which was, it's a, you in particular, it's a great read. And it's, it's a, you're absolutely right. You read it. It, it makes itself into a, in a, into a great bio. So that could be about. The question is, can you make. Can you make a really good biopic about somebody who's still alive? It's it makes it harder. Yeah, is that true? Why? Oh, uh, well, you, <laughs> you're. I, I think because supporting your involved. Elton argument. Oh, yeah, I well, see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the Elton thing. I think if you're still alive and you have any control over the vision, can you really be honest about your oh, yeah. w- issues? People say that's what hurt the Queen movie. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. Freddie's dead, but the rest of the band had control, right? That's it, and yeah. I think they they shied away from certain topics because they didn't want to they didn't want to piss anybody off, right. you know. But then again, you turn around and this one's not on my list, but it's a great movie. If you see something like Ray, yeah, they were able to t- do anything, right. you know, and it was pretty brutally honest. It's a good point. Hadn't thought of yeah. it that way. Okay, Billy Joel, <laughs> we we don't wish death on you, but you know, no. get a no, no. You, know, you know maybe n- next ten years or so, you know. If you've led a full wow. life, well, I want to see That's the movie. Cold. All right, I'll he read the book. Die. Never mind, Billy Joel. He we should have died you. playing Piano Man in Madison Square Garden during one of these shows, don't you think? I mean, and that's the way he'd want to go out. 
He should, Maybe not. Actually, he should He'd die in Fenway long. in Fenway Park because he plays there every summer, and it's one of the. I don't want to say it's one of the worst shows. It's just Fenway Park is the worst place to see a Ugh. concert, and it's so it, it becomes this like, yay, Billy Joel. It's like it's yeah. kind of sucks. Stadium shows suck. I'm just they done do. with them. They do. Yeah. All right, should we get on? Yeah. With the do you draft? need to take a break, or do you want to just go straight to it? Yeah, let's take a quick break, and I'll tell you about a different podcast that you should be listening to here on. The Boston Podcast Network. This podcast is up. Is that your dog barking in the that's background? Dog, Chauncey. That's, that's Chauncey. Chauncey makes an appearance. Chauncey. Chauncey. The official, uh, <laughs> the official dog. By the way, I told you my girlfriend got a dog. I am, uh, I'm a dog person now. I, come, I, I go over there and the dog jumps and I have to take care of the dog and pick up the poop. It's, that is people don't realize what a shocking change that it, is. It really is. It's it's Just shocking. It's wearing on both of us as more her. Uh, she's she bears the burden of m- most of this, but it yeah, it's it's not quite a kid, but mm, it's like, you know, it's like 30 to 40% of the work for a kid. Anyway, like I was saying, Are You Not Entertained is a podcast featuring Eddie Nathanson of Red Pill Talent. All episodes appear on pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Eddie talks to some of the best experts in employer branding across the country. Companies need talent. Ed finds out how to stand out in this crowded field and attract the right people, but he also has a crazy amount of fun. Blasting you with pop culture from Spider-Man to Seinfeld, from Tom Brady to Bobby Brady, from Terminator 2 to Tupac Shakur. Rest in peace, Tupac. Or is he really dead? Find out. Listen to this podcast. Subscribe, share, and consume this. (laughs) I want to be a guest on that podcast. You should. I'm interrupting your – I'd like to be a guest. You should be. I think we groove. Yeah, no, he he does what like what we're doing today with the top ten. He does that pretty much every episode. He he picks a topic that you just you just want to know more. Like he picks the ten most underrated bands of all time, and then he also will do a, an anti something rant, like anti Starbucks, anti air travel, whatever. You get the point. It's all at pod six one seven dot com, the Boston Podcast Network. By the way, if you'd like your own podcast. Go to our website, visit, get in touch, and let's start to talk. You can come here into our Westwood studios and cook up a little podcast of your own. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have the top 10 movies about music of all time. That doesn't have a ring to it. I, I think we, we maybe pained ourselves in, in trying to describe what we're doing here but we have rules we decided there should be rules and we actually agreed on the rules right we did yeah and, you know because you have to be careful because there are musicals right which have music in it but are <laughs> right. invariably not about music so we decided no no on the musicals let's that's that a diff- that's a different countdown altogether right yeah no yeah. we could do a great show on on the best musicals of all time because uh, musicals can be great and they can be groan inducing as we sort of discussed of course now, we wanted to choose yeah. films that obviously have music in it but it has the music is a central part of the actual story it is about musicians right. or about music environments whatever it may be it's movies about music Right, and really, musical artists or bands. Now, they don't have. Correct. It doesn't have to be biopic. Doesn't be. A fi- it can be a fictional band, right? It can be a fictional music dude or gal. Right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. doesn't okay. have to be real. Okay. Just music. Okay, and we decided to do this as a draft because Milt and I 
sometimes share the same brain. And I thought if we both gave our top ten, that'd be like half of them would overlap. But you know what? We'll see. But we're yeah, doing the we're and doing I, the draft. I feel like this is competition. I want to get the better five. So, like I want to end up with a better team than you. And I may have to make my draft sort of te- with a team in mind so that they complement each other. Yeah. Well, that's unusual for movies. But if you'd like to personalize <laughs> your movie. Movies, then fine. Like, yeah, but this movie's going to be a good leader in the clubhouse, and he won't uh, rock the boat. To, no, let's not get too specific. But yeah, well, you could argue you want a balanced team. Well, that that's something. I mean, you could argue that you want, like, let's say you're having a film festival, and you that's want right. you want five movies that are exemplary of what music is all about. And you might want a comedy, but complemented by, uh, uh, you know, a biopic or something serious or whatever. But no, but we decided, by the way. five behind the music specials, right? You need to to broaden it. Can't be the same story over and over. So I'm just saying, keep that in mind. But to be clear, we also said no documentaries and no concert films. Correct. Right? So these these are. Fictional movies that could be based on a, a real person, but these are fictional movies about music. Well, <laughs> now, I mean, was is Rocket Man technically fiction? It's, yes, yes. Well, why is that fiction? It's not fiction. Because it really it's not ha- a documentary. It's a okay, narrative whatever. version. We of get it. Jonathan we get it. It's yes. a storytelling okay, thing. Yes. Okay. Um, we flipped a coin before the show, and Milt, you won. You, you, you're just finding this out this now. Is news to me. I love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I even get the handshake at midcourt. Okay. So, therefore, are you? Wait. Let me find my my draft. Uh, uh, sound effect. I have no idea where it is. I mean, I got a you drum roll. Yeah, it's the ESPN thing. You know, we're I'll just going to... It. Nah, it's music. We're just going to do a drum roll. It's a drum. It's music. So here we are. The first pick in the top music movies draft. Milt, you're on the clock. I'm going to go with a film that I believe is going to certainly be on your list. I was choosing between two in particular, but I am landing on Cameron Crowe's Almost famous. I knew you were going to do this. Number one pick. Yeah, I, you know, Hold on. Dave and I, I'm just proving to you because I had the trailer queued up. And here it is. Take a listen. They call him the narc behind his back. They do? One day, you'll be cool. So you're the kid who's been sending me those articles from the school newspaper. Oh, do you like the star of your school? Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course. This is Rolling Stone magazine. We got a couple copies of your stories. I think you should be writing for us. We can only pay, let me see, $700. All right, a grand. All right, well, that gives it a little flavor uh, such, of it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting chills because I'm. Yep. this is one of those movies I can rewatch over and over and over again. I've probably mentioned it on your podcast or you some have. podcast. Yeah, I before. knew you were going to pick this for us, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's a good no pick. surprise. You know, on the one hand, it's obviously, it's like a fantasy story. Like, what? what high school kid wouldn't dream about suddenly hitting the road with a rock and roll band, you know, and, and being able to chronicle its lifestyle. But it's also just a great portrait of an actual band and the way they work, the tension between the star lead guitarist and the lead singer, even the side members kind of feel real Stillwater, right? I mean, it's even the name. It sounds like a real band from the seventies. Well, they, they, yeah, the, the actors went to rock and roll school, they called it to, so they could at least, um, you know, move and, and appear to be a rock band on stage. And you mentioned the tension. I I think of the one scene where they came out with the t-shirts and the guitarist is front and center on the logo on the t-shirts, much to the chagrin of the lead singer. And they have a little fight 
And then there's a funny little part at the end where the our, our hero, the writer, grabs the grabs the t-shirt. Right? <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. And you know who wrote the music for the movie was uh, Nancy Wilson oh, from Heart. Didn't know that. Who was married at the time to Cameron Crowe? Um, they're not they're not married anymore, as far as I know. But the music, even even though I don't think you can play it on Spotify, like I don't think you can actually hear the Stillwater songs in full, hmm. but they're really good seventies rock and roll songs, like just really well done. You could feel it. And yep. the whole portrait is just a great, great, great coming of age story, rock and roll, sex, drugs, rock and roll, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's, it's something I will watch anytime it's on cable without question. Yep. And it's my number one without, without question. I'm sorry. I hopefully I didn't steal that from you. Well, it's definitely on my list, but I had sort of earmarked it for don't pick this because I know Milt's going to pick it anyway. I'm going to let him have his his moment because I know it's a favorite. Of yours. By the way, next year will be the 20th anniversary of that movie. That is fucking insane. Can you believe uh, that? I hate, it came I out hate in 2000. And just for the record on Rotten Tomatoes, 89% with the critics, 92% with the audience. Feels about right. You probably would enjoy it if it were a little bit higher, but... Um, it's, it's, I'll give her a shout out. By the way, my wife is absolutely in love with um, the who plays the lead guitarist and Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup, and yeah. Was, oh, just and I think that movie is what like cemented it. So it's one of the few movies yeah. she hates when I rewatch movies. She's uh, one. I, you're one of two different people in life. You're either somebody who once they see a movie they never want to see it again, or somebody who whenever you know Shawshank Redemption comes yeah. on, you have to see it over and over. Like, again. Yep, I'm in. This is the one movie she doesn't complain when it comes Good. on. She, I can just see in her eyes she's just staring. And may I say, in conclusion, Russell Hammond. Yes, may I say, in conclusion, I'm on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great film. All right, give me wh- who's your. Take? All right, who's your pick? so let's go with uh, Dave's first pick in. The 2019 best musical movies or whatever of all time. I am going to go with a film from 1996 directed by the one and only Tom Hanks. And I'll play a little bit of a clip of the trailer. The movie is called That Thing You Do. Well, for the purposes of a podcast, the trailer is really just kind of the song, but that's just fine because I really enjoy the song. So great, great pick. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm upset because honestly, and I'm shocked because I somehow left that off my list. Wow. And I'm so glad you took it early because if you had taken it late and I realized it was sitting out there like as a draft miss, I would have been furious myself. I actually I actually strategically took it first to steal it from you because the the one that I have for my number one is more of like a personal favorite. But anyway, great movie from uh, 1996, which again, I can't believe it was that long ago, but I tried to pick movies that uh, are about music and the love of music, but I li- I guess I'm a sucker for movies that have heart, and I would say the one you picked certainly does. If if you if you are like sort of openly rooting for the main character in a movie, I think it has heart, and and so uh, you know a, a flat out comedy wouldn't 
give you that, right? So that thing you do uh, is a movie about you know a bunch of young kids that you can sort of feel and share the amazement of something cool happening to them, and you're actually happy for them. And the, and to me, the most memorable scene is when they hear their song played on the radio for the first time in, in this very comical sequence where they converge in the department store owned by the dad of one of the band members. And they just they're just going mental because their song is on the radio, and it's just it's just fucking precious. And and they the, they pulled off a pretty amazing feat, and they had to write a song that would be believed to be infectious and popular and catchy. And that song is, I think, I love that song. What do you think? It is a testament yeah. to how good that song is that it's played in the movie. I don't know, 10 times, yep. like over and over. They, they introduce a few other songs here and there, but it is that song over and over and over again. And you don't get sick of it. It is actually right. written yep. by a guy named Adam Schlesinger, I think is his last name, who's a member of one of my favorite pop bands of the 90s, uh, Fountains of Wayne. Do you yeah. Know, do you remember of Wayne? yeah, you've told me about how much you love the band. and yeah. Love that yeah. band. And the, and it's, he's a pop songs craftsman, basically. Yeah. And that song is perfect pop heaven, and it just plays over and over again, and you're more than happy to hear it every single time. Yeah, and it, Love- it right, it becomes it. I don't know if you'd call it a theme, but but the whole point of the movie is, you know, sorry, spoiler alert here, they don't actually hit it big, but they do have one huge single, and the the writers cleverly, you know, named the band the Wonders, and at the end of the movie, Tom Hanks says, "You're one hit wonders." So that was kind of you kind of could see that coming, but their whole life was this one song. And this has happened to bands. In fact, the band Semisonic, really only known for that one song, Closing Time, right? And the drummer, if I'm not mistaken, I didn't read it, but the (laughs) drummer wrote a book called Closing Time in which I think he, the central theme is that he got so fucking sick of that song (laughs) because it was like the only thing they were known for and they obviously had to. Of course. Yeah. To be a one-hit wonder must just be brutal on like the reunion circuit. (laughs) Yeah, I know. The other thing about that thing you do, which is interesting, the the lead actor, the guy who plays the drummer, um, Tom Everett Scott, was supposed to be the next Tom Hanks. Like it was clearly Tom Hanks casting himself. Yeah, yeah. And it just sort of didn't, happen I yeah mean, i know he's an actor you see him in things i'll take Col- i'll take colin me. hanks over that colin hanks yeah is, is yeah solid. you're right yeah you know he's he could be the next tom hanks steve's on is hilarious oh my god that, so that and the, yeah and the scene that i mentioned he's looking for someone to hug and he can't find anyone so <laughs> there's a there's a cardboard cutout of a woman that he just grabs and makes yeah, out with for a minute right. and you're right the glee of them hearing their song of the ring it's just a great moment oh, just yeah. a great 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 moment. all right i'm glad you like it all right, we'll move on. The second second pick. Are we draft. snaking or do no, I get this pick? Nah, no snake. You get to go now. Well, I'm so happy you didn't take this film first. Oh, boy. I am excited to add to my team the classic mockumentary. Oh. This is Spinal Tap. Yes. Yes. I, well, you know. I, I, it, I probably it, should have taken it. Damn it. it, it, it that was right there for you. I'm <laughs> no. shocked. I'm yeah, shocked no, you know what? I... I you know what? Let's take a listen as to why it's genius, actually, because I had it ready. Very delicate. It's a, it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. What do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> <laughs> this is the loudest. I actually watched this again recently. I don't, th- I don't think my kids would. In heavy metal history. You don't think you're... 
say it's again. Just, the, the kids, I don't think, I'm not sure people watching it today will dig this the same way that we did. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, a, it takes everything that the rock band in Almost Famous was and just turns them into a bunch of buffoon fools, but yeah. lovable. And the music, when you're watching the movie for the first time, the, the, the heavy metal music is terrible right and then you start to kind of like it yeah and then you realize it's actually like a lot of real heavy metal music right yeah with with absurd lyrics and things like that but i bought the soundtrack and i I started like listening to it after the film and kind of being into it and this was i think one of those early movies where it didn't do much in the theater but you got it on video and then you got it on dvd and you just kept watching it and watching and watching it those guys um are just christopher guest michael mckean uh harry shearer just i don't think it can be perfected a comedy trio than what those three did in that movie it, no, it speaks right. for itself and maybe the reason i didn't take it first is i don't i just don't think of it as the greatest movie about music but it is in my opinion the best mockumentary it did create a whole new genre it did it did start momentum for christopher guest to make some of the most hilarious movies in history that unfortunately never really crush it at the bo- box office but all you know waiting for guffman best in show uh, best in all show. the way, all oh the way God, down we watch that all the time yeah yeah, yeah. and they still don't they still tour yeah uh i don't know i don't do, do they still tour they did something recently i want to say they're always popping up for something harry shear appeared in character as derek smalls on Adam Carolla's podcast. That was pretty hilarious. Oh, uh, so, that's classic. So I, I love, yeah, that, you know, it, it's now such a cult thing. They've kept it alive. And so great, great pick. Uh, love it. Yeah. Love it. I'm very excited to have it on my squad. All right. Well, you, that was a strategic pick for you. So I'm going to, with my second pick in the draft, well, thank you. Um, I'm going to go for a strategic pick to steal one from you. I don't, ooh. ooh. From 1984, the the legendary director Milos Forman, Amadeus, Amadeus, mm. Academy Award winning movie, Amadeus, and uh, I think I've got some of the trailer here. Talk to us. Here we go. Are we going to appall you with something confidential and disgusting? Let's hope so, because that is what you really like: unconfessed crimes of buried wickedness. If that is what brings you to us, the prospect of hearing horrors, you shall not go unrewarded. I don't believe it. The whole city is talking. You hear it all over. What a story. What a scandal. What a comedy. What a tragedy. Incredible. I don't believe it. Who can believe it? What horrors have you heard? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us at once. I had never seen that trailer before. Kind of a cool trailer because it's got a voiceover that was not featured in the movie, as far as I know, it wasn't in the actual movie. But you love this movie, don't you? What do you think of the pick? Absolutely. Lo- it's on my list. Okay. You yeah. definitely stole one from me. Yeah. And I think, actually, one of the things when I was thinking about this film in particular, um, the has the best scene I've ever seen in a film about what is in a musician's head when yeah. he's making music, the scene on the deathbed where Amadeus, played by Tom Hulse, Tom right, Hulse. I think, yeah, is speaking to F. Murray Abraham, and he's bringing each of the instruments alive in his head as he's composing yeah. in real time. Yeah, I remember watching that movie for the first time and going, oh, so that's how a genius does it, yes. and realizing I don't have that. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's very well put. There's a, there's a couple other movies on my list 
that encapsulate that kind of well also. But th- this movie is, it's got that, so it's got the whole what what composing really is and was, but also, you know, it's just one of these cool historical tales that make you watch this movie and go, did it really happen that way? Was was uh, Mozart really a clown that, like, would make fart noises and run around and grabs women women's boobies and things like that? And and apparently he was, right? And then there's the whole yeah. ri- rivalry with Salieri and... and uh, just a great. Th- that's this is a rewatchable movie for me, probably for you too. It's like you know, so yeah. Many that's great funny seasons. because it's you know it won um it won, won best, best picture. picture, yeah, yeah. And yet, you know, I don't know if it really lives in the pantheon of great motion picture. You know, best picture winners. It doesn't and come. Like yeah, that. it doesn't come up that often. I think know? it should. I think it's great. I really probably, do. I, yeah. That well, the critics included Billy Crystal's character on Saturday Night Live. It said. uh how come they're always picking these movies like Amadeus for best picture? You know, <laughs> what was wrong with Avenging Angel? Like get Avenging Angel in there. Anyway. All right. Well, let's, let's, thank you. Let's move on. That's two rounds completed with three remaining. And uh, with Milt's first pick in the third round. Hmm. All right. This is a tough one. You know, I feel like I need a little gravity. I'm going to pull an audible because mm. it's not next on my list. Wow. But the Amadeus thing kind of struck me. Okay. And this may surprise you. I'm not sure if it's even going to be on your list. I am going to choose the 2014 film by a director who actually had more acclaim for his following film. But I'm going to choose the film Whiplash. Oh, yes. It's a fine pick. That's a fine pick. Wait, I'm gonna, yeah, I, look, yeah. the reason why I love it in, in talking about the Amadeus scene there is it, it's, it's a story about, you know, on the surface, jazz drummer, a jazz drummer, you know, um, being, quote, mentored by a teacher. And I put that in quotations because he might be the worst mentor of all time and yet possibly right. the best. But you really kind of see in this film what it takes most likely to become um, a successful musician, yeah. especially in the world like jazz, which is freeform but also very demanding and intellectual and such and jk uh i was about to say jk rowling JK it's Simmons. definitely not jk rowling um jk simmons plays the the mentor and he is possibly one of the great movie villains of all time yeah but what makes the movie great in my mind and not give away too many spoilers but the ending of the film almost rationalizes what the enemy did to the protagonist of the film that in essence, it's saying something to achieve greatness. Maybe abuse is almost necessary. Yeah. Um, and, which is a horrible lesson, right? And there's a, there's a redemption arc in the film too, but if nothing else, you really get into this, the intensity of what um, it must take to become yeah. a professional musician in a demanding arena. Yeah, there's and, a- and it's one of the great all time performances by JK Simmons, period. Uh, just amazing, amazing, and also very rewatchable. Talk about a guy that's come on in the second half of his life. He's in everything now, right? J.K. Simmons, and he's great in everything, too. Um, here's a little bit of the trailer for this Whiplash. Nice. I really like the music that they play. Bob Ellis on the drums. <laughs> I'm part of Schaefer's Top Jazz Orchestra. It's the best music school in the country. The key is to just relax. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about what the other guys are thinking. You're here for a reason. Have fun. Five, six, and. I want to be great. And you're not. We got Buddy Rich here. 
little trouble there. You're rushing. Here we go. Five, six, and. And he, the teacher throws something at him. <laughs> it smashes against the wall. Yeah, there's a darkness to this movie, but I think oh, that's yeah. but that's the Violent. point, right? Yeah, yep. that's the mm-hmm. point. Yeah, great, great pick. It was on my list. It, it oh. was one of those I came across towards the end, and I was like, well, that deserves to be on this list. It's a great movie. So glad um, you agree. I think but it, it's mine. It's all mine. Yeah, I think you pulled it out a little early, but uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I might. The Amadeus thing just threw me. I needed more weight. I needed some substance. Okay. Well, um, ah, geez, I don't know if I should do I, it. I know what do I'm doing. It. I'm knowing I'm doing. I know what I'm doing from 2003. Another legendary director, Richard uh, Linklater, letter, let, whatever the hell his name is, Richard Linklater. And the movie is, of course, with Jack Black, School of Rock. Damn it! <laughs> I knew you'd want this one. If he doesn't come up with the rent by the end of the week, he's out of here. You wake me up for that? Come on! Dewey Finn would have sold his soul for rock and roll, but nobody was buying. You're an embarrassment. You're out. Maybe it's time to give up those dreams. Don't you miss rocking out? You're not a teacher, Ned. You're the cross-dressing incubus from Maggot Death. Dewey, I'm not a satanic sex god anymore. I'm a sub, and soon I'll be a certified teacher. Mr. Schneebly? I'm the principal here at Horace Green Prep, and we need somebody to start immediately. Hmm, so how much are we talking here? $6.50 a week. Hello, this is Ned Schneebly. And uh, with the great Joan Cusack popping in there, uh, he takes the job as the sub impersonating someone. He's a music teacher and puts together a rock band of kids. And this movie is great for so many reasons. It, I think it checks all the boxes for a great musical movie like we're talking about because you can really understand uh, this guy's love of rock and roll and the, the legends of rock and roll and how great it is to hit that right chord and make that right squeal and scream and all that. And, and uh, it's a salute to all these rock bands of the past and then on top of everything else, my favorite scene is the, it's kind of the last scene um, when the kids perform. If that doesn't get you jazzed and maybe even get you a little sentimental, then you're dead. So, School of Rock. Love it. Yep. If you, ever, if you ever get a chance, go online and try to find a freeze frame of the chalkboard oh. that, that Jack Black's character puts up to show like the history, the history of rock yeah. and roll. That alone is is brilliant oh, I, mean, I, I didn't realize it was real in other words you, oh it's real oh, okay because in watching the the movie you can tell what he's doing but i didn't realize they took the time to make it you know accurate i can't fathom who did yeah. it it's great oh i'm gonna it check that great. out i love it he's just it, it's a weird thing where i think his character is so perfectly realized yeah, you know, it, you almost expect a movie like this to be a romantic comedy. It's not a romantic. The ro- it is a romantic comedy, but it's a romance between him and rock and roll music. Yeah. That's it. There's no second character. He's in love with rock and roll, and yeah. it's hilarious. It's hilarious. And the kids are great. Yeah, it, yeah, and the kids who apparently played all their own instruments and they sang they and everything, did. and and it's also i think at the top of my list of of movies you can watch with your kids no matter how old your kids are uh, i mean maybe not if they're 3 or 4 but <laughs> but you know it's it it happens to be a movie that 
you know, no swears. It's, it is about kids. Kids will enjoy it, but adults will love it as well. And the only knock on this that I've heard is, it, and it's kind of a good point, that maybe Jack Black shouldn't have made this movie first because he, like, it's almost like he emptied his whole playbook. for the, like this. You know what I mean? This was him. Like, this was, like, the character is not probably not that far off from Jack Black himself. Um, and it's it, his peak. Right. It is his peak, without question. And, and look, that's a good peak. Yeah. That's oh, a yeah. great peak, if you ask me. Yeah. All right. So that concludes round three. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm here to tell you about an affliction that affects millions of Americans every year. It's growing and there's no end in sight. I'm talking, of course, about podcast envy. Hi, I'm George. I suffered from podcast envy. Sure, I had a podcast, but it wasn't the biggest deal. It was just insignificant compared to other podcasts. I felt so inadequate. Hi, I'm Buck. I felt myself consistently looking at other podcasts. They seemed so massive. My friends and I were finally able to conquer podcast envy when I found the Boston Podcast Network. They gave us a new podcast, a mighty powerful one too. They even gave it a name, Shawshanked. We finally had a podcast, one we could hold up high and be proud of. We were now able to whip out our podcast and expose it publicly. Thousands of people received our podcast on the internet on pod 617. Com. Some enjoy our podcast in bits and spurts. Many prefer to swallow it whole. Either way, don't wait any longer. Please act now. End your own podcast envy. Go to pod617.com and take hold of your own podcast. Find our podcast Shawshank. See if you can handle it. Don't be ashamed of your little podcast. Get a big one at pod617.com. Two rounds to go. How are you holding up? I'm inspired, man. Okay. So. I'm inspired, and in fact, since yep. you got me on Jack Black, right. my next pick, yes, Jack Black's peak may have been School of Rock, oh boy. but I would argue that his mainstream debut, his appearance as a player, occurred with the film High Fidelity. High Fidelity, yeah, I knew you were going there. Nice pick. Nice yeah, you know, I think it's a little high, maybe. You know, it's it's not a movie that is about musicians. Oh, but it's but about it, music, it, and it's sure. probably it's really the first on our list that is not about musicians. But it is music infuses the film from beginning to end. It's about a record store owner and his motley crew of employees who basically justify all of their life decisions by a need to be righteous about their music culture. And it informs their their uh, social lives. It informs their professional lives. It's both sad sack, but yeah. incredibly real in a way. And it's it's based on the book by Nick Hornby, which is possibly my favorite. They call it, uh, you know, what was it? It was Chick Lit, but in the, the book, male version. And in the book, were they in London as opposed to the- They US? were in London in the book. Yeah. This moves okay. to Chicago, which was fine with me. And it worked. Yeah. You know, I, I would argue it's John Cusack's peak. Um, in the same way that Ooh, Jack Black had his bold I know that, that that might be saying a lot, but well, you had you had um, uh, it's not Steve Zahn, but it's a guy that looks like Steve Zahn who played the other guy in the. Yeah, you know who was I'm talking the, about? he was in Jerry Maguire. Jerry also, Maguire guy, movie, yeah. Right? But the but between his sort of sappiness and then Jack Black's like pure energy, those two were hilarious um, side pieces, if you will, to uh, bookends to, to John Cusack's main character. Uh, might as well take a little bit, listen to the trailer here. Turn it off! <laughs> it won't go any louder! <laughs> <laughs> 
can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week, and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. <laughs> Rob Gordon has a successful business and a dedicated following. I used to go to the double door to hear you spin. You were unbelievable. But when it comes to dating... Hi. Hi. Is this Penny Hardwood? Hi, Caroline. He's still searching. Are you in or out, Rob? I'm sorry? Are you in or out, Rob? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. For the right woman. What's your name? Laura! Now his search may have ended, <laughs> but his problems just started. And I like you with Laura. I don't think much of this Ian guy. Well, this is Joan Cusack again. Her second. Yeah, her, wow. Her second. Are, Joan Cusack and Jack Black have, have both checked in twice on our list. There are stars, I think. This uh, high fidelity. Um, the book and the movie talk about list making, you know, list making about I was gonna constantly say, trying yep. to rank like we're doing now, right? Yeah, but yeah. about everything in in your life, you know, they. Yep. Um, uh, it, it became sort of like my validation for my life choices in some ways. I'm not a sad sack <laughs> record store owner, but I would obsessively make lists of my favorites and update them in just about every genre known to man. And it made me feel better about that part of my life. That's why um, the, that's if, if there's no better example than why this is a music movie uh, appropriate for this list is the the scene. Well, you're sort of referencing the scene where, you know, Jack Black walks in and goes, okay, Top five first, you know, lead-off songs on albums. Ready, I'll take, you know, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nirvana. And they do these lists. And it reminded me of shit that you and I have done, that me and my cousins have done in the past. And uh, it's what makes music fun. And then when he decides to kind of start his his own kind of makeshift record label, he says top five records, right? Yep, yep. I mean, come on. That's it's just I love that movie. Pretty I love it. Okay, maybe not as weighty as some of the other things we have, but um and and by the way, just a little tip. One of the best scenes in the book um was about when uh the record store owner gets a phone call from a woman looking to sell her record collection. He goes out to the house and it turns out it's not her record collection, but her ex-husband's record collection yep. that she's trying to fuck him over by selling. Yeah. And it's a great scene. It didn't appear in the movie, but it oh. turns out they filmed it. And it is Get a deleted out. scene that you can see on YouTube with Beverly D'Angelo playing the woman. Oh, my God. And you see Rob, the um, record store owner, flipping through the record collection. And it's like discovering a pot of gold. It's one of the great deleted scenes. I have no idea why, why it, they took it yeah. out of the movie. Well, It's a perfect scene. And let me guess, he refuses to buy it because he refuses to take place in this betrayal which that's is, exactly right yeah. even though it literally would have made him hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars but just watch it because you see the and Beverly D'Angelo is great in it too it's just a great deleted scene it's five minutes go on YouTube it's worth it yeah and as a footnote the other element of that movie that, that becomes a theme is his collection of albums and he re, at one point in the movie he resorts them based on his his <laughs> own per, right best based on his own personal experience with the album so he has to remember where he was when he heard the first thing in order to find it's awesome it's really and the guy's in awe like whoa yeah it's like you you're kidding me yeah biographical <laughs> right alphabetical no genre no biographical all right crazy yeah crazy. let's round out the uh the fourth sorry my fourth pick the final pick I mean, only two picks per round, but still, the final pick mm-hmm. in the fourth round. I'm gonna go with the oh boy, oh boy.
boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'm looking Do at it. my fr- uh, that one's off the board. That one's off the board. That one's off the board. Okay, I'm going. It's more of a personal favorite. I could probably let it go till the last round, but I won't. From 19 something, uh, if I can find my notes, from 1991 director who I don't know for anything else, Alan Parker. The name of the movie is The Commitments. Let's listen to some of the trailer. Well, what kind of music are we going to be playing, Jimmy? Soul. Soul? That's what you've got to measure up to, lads. Well, like, maybe we're a little white. See if you could play before I pay for them. Well, I don't know if that translates so well on audio, but maybe you get the point. The The movie is about an unlikely group of uh, sort of ragtag, you know, mostly unemployed individuals in downtrodden Dublin, Ireland, who uh, set out to for the unlikely mission of putting together a soul band, which you wouldn't think of from, from Ireland, and there are there are virtually no recognizable actors in this movie. They they all sang and played their own instruments and all that. And it is just lovable. It is just funny to me. It's it's the the best movie about the way a band can come together and fall apart. It's about dreams. It definitely has the kind of heart that I'm talking about. And you really root for this band, and so you 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 love it when they hit it big, and then you kind of laugh when they almost get a, uh, the whole gang electrocuted on stage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Love it. I hope you like this movie. You're going to uh, make our friend, uh, friend and uh, lover of the podcast, yeah. uh, Big Al Nadell, very happy. Oh, he's, he I loves the commitments. Him, um, yeah. When I told him today that we were doing this podcast, he the only thing he said was, don't forget the commitments. <laughs> Good so, on you, Al. Yeah. Shout out to Al. So what, um, he usually listens to us when he's uh, jogging. So Al, just take a minute, you know, yeah, take wipe a breath. the brow and, and smile, okay? Hydrate, yeah. You don't like this movie, or you just no, 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 no. I, like I like it. Um, and what I like about it also is it's as much. Yeah, you know, the music is great. It's a little like Motowny, like tribute bandy, but the lead singer makes it so powerful that it works. But it's also a, it, the depiction of the town where they're all from just feels real. So that I exactly, thought that's what yeah. really makes it a better yeah. movie than anything um, that's just strictly related to the movie. I thought the soundtrack was a little overrated when it came out at first because it was kind of obvious in How some dare ways. You? But yeah, I know, yeah, I, know. I know. It was a huge hit. Huge hit. Yeah, they. it was so big, they came out with a soundtrack, Commitment Soundtrack Part 2, where they did a whole second album with like tracks they hadn't used for the first one. But but it's all that, you know, Mustang Sally, you know, Nowhere to Run. Uh, the band could play. I mean, obviously, you're not hearing the originals, but the as you said, the lead singer, whoever that guy was, had unbelievable pipes. And then the movie is lovable. It just has these cool references to, as, as you heard in the trailer, James Brown, the, the Beatles, you know, um, uh, Elvis, and and all such stuff. So if you haven't seen The Commitments, it's now, for a while it was kind of hidden, like it wasn't streaming anywhere, and now it's back for some reason. I have no idea oh, why. Good. Yeah, but, che- but it's imminently rewatchable. It's... So funny, lovable, the whole deal. I remember so. there was a blonde backup singer that I was kind oh, yeah. of madly in love with when they came out. I wonder who that is. Yeah, she looked like uh, a younger Virginia Madsen, um, but I don't know. Again, none of these actors, as far as I know, really went on to do much else. Um, maybe they're 
big in in Dublin. I don't know. I think they. I know they toured. There was a band yeah, that they toured, toured around sure. it, right? But I don't know if they were the real actors or not. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, so as we head into the final round, let's recap, mm. that, shall we? Okay. So on your squad, you have Almost Famous, Spinal Tap, Whiplash, and High Fidelity. Uh, yeah. See, Whiplash is the only one that's kind of it's, it's kind of a little bit weak. Make a little in the early. Might have pulled that out yeah. a little early. I have that thing you do, Amadeus. School of Rock, and The Commitments. And you know what? The Commitments is my only weak link, even though it's not weak in my opinion, but um, if we're going for like, you know, you know, universal notoriety. So you have one more pick. And then we're going to do, we're going to do honorable mentions, or at least we'll tick them off. But uh, your final pick. You know, when we first started talking about this, I spoke about a film that is, uh, that music plays a huge role in, but isn't ostensibly about music. I'm going to let that go because okay. I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick with real movies about music. You can go ahead and take it if you know what I'm talking about. I'm but not sure. <laughs> this is a tough one, but I am going to, oh, I'm worried this may drag down the power of my list, but. If it's about great movies about music, I'm going to choose the 2007 film called Ooh. Once. Oh, my God. It's a shocker. It's a shocker. Yeah. Well, I'll give you yeah. the applause because I, I, I haven't seen this movie. I've heard about it, though. Wow. Yeah. You know what makes the movie great is uh, it's it stars this guy, John Carney, who, by the way, another – well, I'll save it for the honorable mention. No, that, he made another movie called Sing Street. Which is okay. also, also similar seen it, to really yeah. about music. Hold that thought. But this is a movie just just basically about two musicians who are struggling. I think they live in Ireland. Um, one is played by Glenn Hansard. The other one, um, I can't remember her name, Mark Marquetta something or other. Um, that come together over their mutual love of music. But what makes this movie cool is it's the opposite of what we were talking about before, where, you know, in movies, in my opinion, like Rocket Man, where all of a sudden the characters start singing, right. the story comes to like a screeching halt, or they're taking lyrics and like jamming them into the story's relevance, like they try to do with Across the Universe sometimes. Yep. The songs in this film, even though they're being played by the characters, um, and and it's logical that they would be singing. You know, maybe they're playing, they're practicing in their room, or one of them is uh, writing a song about their ex love. The actual lyrics end up relating to the plot development and the characters without Ooh. them realizing it in a totally and fascinatingly seamless way. Wow. So the songs happen to be great. There was one big hit from it called "Falling Slowly." That is a really moving song, and Glenn Hansard has got an amazing voice. And um, let's listen to. And, can we play? Can I play a little of the trailer? Yeah, please okay, do. Let's do this right now. Hold on. Who'd you write this song for? She's gone. She's dead. No, she's not dead. He's gone. I used to play in the orchestra back at home. You don't want to go for a walk or something, huh? All right, that guy is was in the commitments, I'm almost sure. Wait, was he? I'm pretty, no, because no, he's younger than that. 
I don't think. Oh, maybe you're right. Oh my God, you're right. I'm he was right? in the commitment. All right, you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's the redheaded guy. They called him like you know, carrot top or carrot head or whatever, or ginger. That's, you're a hundred percent. Wow, correct. this guy Glenn, what's his face, is one of the MVPs of our draft. How about that? Back to back. Back to back. Well, you know, I want you to see this movie. Also, yeah. you'll be astounded. It was made for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So basically, and ended up yeah. making like twenty five million dollars. It ended up becoming a Broadway show that was a, a hit, wow. and it's just a really powerful movie about um, musicians. But it cleverly weaves the music through the story without you really realizing it. I really look. It's a bit of a downer putting it on this list because it's not a big, boisterous, you know, funny, hilarious rock and roll movie. I think you'll love it. All I right. really do. I want you to watch it and get back to me. I'm in. I'm, I'm and also, if you haven't seen Sing Street, that's a story about young teenagers forming a band to try to um, first get chicks, but also change their lives. And that's a this guy, this director's really good at this genre. It's what he does. All right, good pick. You need you, you need one kind of quasi obscure on your yeah, list, you and, and you did that. So we're up to the final pick of the draft. I'll stay with the tradition of the drum roll. And now, in the remaining uh, awkward seven seconds, I'm going to try to decide what I'm going to pick because you only get it's one tough, chance man. at when this. When you put it all on the line at number five. I know. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I was going to pick, and then I'm, I'm doing um, – nope, you know. I, <laughs> um. <laughs> Like I this got matter. it. I got it. It does matter. I was gonna pick the Blues Brothers. So there's your first. Uh, there's your first honorable mention. I, 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 which, I can't which, believe you waited this long for what? I just figured Blues Brothers was gonna be at the top of your list. Yeah. Well, there's someone else, Milt. There's hmm. someone else. I can't believe you forgot about it. him. Yes. Considering, in a way, our ancestors owe credit to him for saluting their cause, saluting their journey from across the globe. They were downtrodden. They were driven out of other respectable countries. And in some cases, they decided they didn't want to be a cantor and follow in the footsteps of their too serious father, played by Sir Lawrence Olivier. And Neil Diamond, a.k.a. <laughs> Jess Robin, had to break free and had to write a song about coming to America and overcome his <laughs> judgmental dad who went so far as to rip his fucking jacket to pretend that his son was dead. Neil Diamond, the jazz singer! <laughs> he hasn't even sung yet. Wow, what a long intro to the song. All right, thank you. This is a good pick. Come on, right? Well, look, uh, America's one of my go-to karaoke songs. I, I, bring I down remember you telling me that. Yeah. Vegas, right. Yeah. Um, you know, not the finest film ever made. No, um, you're right. But for me, it has, uh, like, my dad took me to see the jazz singer. And yeah, you're right. It's not the best acted, but the the music is kind of irresistible. The story itself is irresistable. So I, I that's, uh, you know, call it an unconventional pick, if you will. But you know, when you were talking about our ancestors for a minute, I thought you were going Yentl. So I'm also I'm almost very happy <laughs> that it ended up being the jazz singer. That I can handle. You couldn't hear that. Maybe I don't have your audio loud enough. You couldn't hear the yeah, strain the strains no, of America. I couldn't hear it you couldn't first, hear it. Oh, okay. God. Okay. 
you okay. relieved me. It is kind of ironic. This movie, The Jazz Singer, which was made like three or four times, ends up being right. about a Jew. You know. Um, yeah, definitely. I never, I never got that. Yeah, that really takes a creative stroke, right? <laughs> and then you know, and also, uh, you know, if it were today, if it were made today, some like way too liberal, crazy Jewish group would accuse the filmmaker of not casting a real Jew as his dad, the rabbi, <laughs> right? Because you got Sir Lawrence Olivier in there, and by the way, nailed it. I thought. You know, it, 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 you bring up an interesting point. The one movie we didn't select, um, which yeah. is somewhat s similar um, in tone and feel and also in history, is neither of us took uh, A Star is Born, which right. was arguably one of the best movies of the year last year. Yeah, well, and one best is about year. music, that's for sure. And yeah, it was a great movie. I. Uh... I don't know. I think like, it needs more time maybe to, to cement it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It it almost, to, in my opinion, it was a victim of its own hype. Like I, I heard so many great things about it, and I saw it was kind of like, yeah, good, definitely good. And definitely squarely in this category of it, it was definitely about music. and the Oh, and yeah, the, I and I loved the highs it. I, I and thought the Lady lows. Gaga was a surprise. Oh, she's and, great. You know, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it could have made this list. But, you know, when we're talking about the classics, you, you need, I think you need a little more uh, cementing in history before you crack this. But it could. It could. Yeah. It, it, maybe it's penalized a bit for being, you know, the fourth one they did. But then again, the jazz singer's on your list. So, so how many, go. yeah, how many remaining do you have? We'll, we'll kind of go rapid fire here. Like, how, do you have a, still a handful left? I only have a couple. Oh. Um, All right. You do yours and then I'll do mine. Yeah, the one I didn't choose, which I was referring to before, was Saturday Night Saturday Night Fever. Oh, right, which, yeah. And the reason I didn't put it on is not – it really is about dance, I get. But I, I was going to put it on my list because it is undeniably about the love of disco music yeah. and the fire it adds to these um, – Brooklyn lives back in the day where Brooklyn was a shadow of Manhattan yeah, and how, you know, the disco became the scene where, you know, the guy who works in the pizza shop or the hardware store can become a star, right. Yeah. In his own right. And it's the music in essence that lent itself to that environment. So I was going to choose Saturday Night Live, but I backed off. Just Saturday, like I said, <laughs> Saturday, Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah. I do that too. Uh, yeah. A quick note on that movie before I think it, it holds particular, memory or particular nostalgia for uh, our generation. So Milt and I, are, are, we both just turned 50 last year or whatever it is. Um, we're 50. And uh, it was, it came out, it was an R-rated movie kind of before we were old enough to see it, but you eventually you figured out a way to see it or maybe we saw it on video or whatever. There was kind of a a cool darkness to it. Like you really did feel you were in those clubs. And then there was something kind of scary about it too. Like it was almost too adult, too serious for my, oh, you yeah. know, you know, 14 year old eyes or whatever it was. Um, actually, no, 10, 10 year old eyes, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, the scene where the dude ultimately slips off the bridge and die and falls to his death, you know, I just remember being scared shitless seeing that scene. You know what I'm talking about? I, yep, I remember my parents would only let me see the edited version that like right. ran on television or something like that. And it was so, I remember watching that movie and being like, whoa, what is this? And yeah. then only later saw all the sex and the, you know, there was a lot going on in that movie. Yeah, agreed. And if you had to make a list of time capsule movies, that would be in the top whatever. Like, I mean. So know, it would be on this list, but yeah. I'm, I'm not putting it on because it is, you know, the dance power that I think made it legendary, but the music 
it, you know, there would be no dance without the music. So you could have put that on the list. Right. But definitely. Either it. this or break into electric boogaloo. Definitely. I mean, well, either one. I mean, take question. a pick. Yeah. Yeah. Deal Not breaking. Breaking two. Breaking two. <laughs> Don't give me no breaking. All right. What else you got? What else you got? And the other one, I, you know, Amadeus is the only one on our either of our lists that is even close to what you'd call a biopic, right? Yep. But I thought my favorite uh, music biopic of all time um, is Walk the Line, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. And about Johnny Cash. I'm looking and, at, yeah, I'm looking at my list. I'm surprised one of us didn't grab it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was going to, it was choosing between once and that and, and, and obviously Saturday Night Fever. But, you know, what, what I love about that movie is, you know, I think people know a lot about Johnny Cash's life already. And yet their two performances in that movie, singing the music themselves, by the way, is so convincing that, you know, you kind of learn about it. You, you're okay going along for the ride, even though the story is familiar. Yep. And that's an example of a movie that didn't do what Rocketman felt it had to do. It didn't turn its set pieces into anything more than just telling the story about these two characters. Um, right. And you could totally see why Johnny Cash would fall in love with Reese Witherspoon in that movie. You know what I mean? Totally believable. Um, great performance. And, and great music. And yeah, yep. I, that could have easily cracked my list. What, what, what did you leave off? By the way, just uh, one of the great scenes of all time is when it's a scene that they tease at the beginning of the film and then come back to when he plays in Folsom prison, you know, yes. he, he does that kind of almost like minister like rap before he goes into the song. And, um, that, that's a kind of a chill scene. Um, I've got a few, I'll, I'll kind of go quick. Uh, I mentioned blues brothers, hilarious as hell, unforgettable movie. Um, and the, the soundtrack is amazing, but you know, it's kind of goofy. Maybe that's why it didn't make the list. Um, I really struggled whether to pick Eight Mile uh, from, mm. from 2002, the the quasi autobiographical movie Eminem. Loved it because there are just delicious scenes in there. The freestyle rap. Also loved it because the movie kind of ends before he gets famous, and and I really liked that. It was about the struggle. It wasn't about the fame and the chicks and everything else. So like that. Uh, here, feel free to jump in if you have anything to add. But no, we want to get them all. Okay, that yep. was a great. That was a shockingly good movie. Yeah. Much better than it's one of those things when you heard it was coming out. I was like, oh, give me a break, yeah. and it was. It turned out to be great. When you talked about the scene in Amadeus where you kind of got inside the mind of a music composer, I was reminded of a scene in in Love and Mercy, which was in a 2000, yes! 2015 movie where you know Brian Wilson played played at both ends of the spectrum, the age spectrum, very well by John Cusack and uh, Paul Dano. Another and, fan of the episode. What, John C.? Multiple appearances. Now. Oh, right. No, <laughs> right, Cusack. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. You, yeah, you don't necessarily think music Cusack, but uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised you didn't pick this because I know you love the Beach Boys, and this movie was that my favorite scene might be the one where he's, he's crafting, uh, I think it was Good Vibrations. Correct. And yeah. he had details correct. down to like someone tapping on a Coke can to make a particular sound that he really wanted. And yeah, I, I, it, prompted me to go, it prompted me, me to go back and, and listen to a lot of Beach Boys songs and realized how much like texture is actually in a lot of those songs. Totally, completely agree with you. It doesn't, uh, it's not a movie like the other ones on both of our lists that I think lends itself to rewatchability. So I didn't, I yeah. didn't put it there. But when I was talking, literally, when I was um, thinking about Amadeus on my list, um, I did say, oh, it's sort of like Love and Mercy. So it's funny. Again, once again, our brains are thinking similarly. There you go. Um, I don't know why I didn't pick The Doors because I love The Doors, Oliver Stone. 
Uh, Val Kilmer, if you had to pick a single performance of someone imitating a rock star, wait, come on, you didn't like that movie? No, I'm, he was I'm laughing again because yeah. when I was, I didn't put on my list because the movie I don't think holds up as well, but it is the single best rock and roll impersonation yeah. of all time, including Rami Malik, who just won the Oscar. And oh, such. much better, yeah, much better. Val Kilmer was, yes, in Morrison. Period. Yeah, his mannerisms, the way his little sort of aside snide comments that you could hear Jim Morrison saying. I mean, obviously, I didn't know Jim Morrison, but you hear interviews and stuff, and he was just like him. It was great. Um, we we I think we kind of neglected hip hop a little bit because, mm. uh, as our listeners may know, me and Milk don't like black people. But um, oh, go without yeah. saying, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But we, are, we the truth is the opposite. We 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 love hip hop, and we didn't. Neither one of us picked Straight Outta Compton. It's not a, a an absolute classic, but really good movie, 2015. Of course, about Chauncey N- likes NWA. it. I don't know if you heard him. Yeah, Chauncey he loves it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Paul Giamatti. Anything he's in is is great. Um, it's yeah. no crush groove though. <laughs> of course not. I mean, nothing, come on, let's not go nothing crazy. Nothing will be crush groove. How dare you even mention another movie? Uh, we didn't, we also didn't mention what's love got to do with it, which deserves at least a mention. I think, um, well, uh, what's her name? Who played Tina Turner? She's an Angela Bassett. Angela right? Bassett. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of her breakout. It's funny. It's that movie right now is on heavy rotation, on all the HBO channels, oh, yeah. I think. So it's worth a rewatch. Yeah. I, I'm a little shocked you didn't pick Purple Rain, being the big Prince fan that you are. Did you even Yeah, I know. That's crazy, right? And and I love I love Purple Rain. I actually but I love it more for the soundtrack than the movie. Yeah. I, th- I think the movie's a great movie, right? It ain't bad. The acting isn't isn't that good. That's I mean, the thing. The, yeah. the, the movie as a package. Look, I'll watch it all the time because I love Prince. I absolutely love Prince. But as a story, yeah, uh, these other movies are better. Agreed. Um, I, I'm with you. The only as other a concert ones- film as a as a sort of mini concert film, I'll 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 hold it up against anything. You know, the scene, the Purple Rain scene, and playing Purple Rain at the end is one of the great movie. M- you know, musical endings you can find. Yeah, and the, um, the opening scene ain't bad when they come out doing Let's Go Crazy. That kind of gets yeah, you really yeah. fired up. We didn't mention um, Spinal Tap's sort of unofficial cousin, A Mighty Wind, which is kind of just really like the fo- <laughs> folk music version of Spinal Tap. I love that movie. Yeah, it's, it's same kind of uh, thing as it, Spinal Tap, and apparently all the folk music fans actually love the movie, even though they're being made fun of. We didn't mention Shine, which is definitely about what goes in the head of a musician. Yeah. Uh, gripping movie, if you haven't seen it. Uh, true life story of a young man who was a, a prodigy when it came to the piano, but but kind of had a mental breakdown with the, with the pressure, kind of like the piano version of Whiplash. And the only other one I would mention would be, this is a sleeper. You gave me one uh, homework to go to go see once. Have you seen Patty Cakes? Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so you look up Patty Cakes. It's I think you'll find it on Netflix or streaming somewhere. Um, she is a teenage girl. She's super overweight, and she's she's got this unlikely friendship with this this Indian dude who works at a pharmacy, and she can rap like you wouldn't believe. And so, but it's it's her trying to figure a way to get noticed. And so it's it's one of these you know ugly duckling slash underdog stories. And uh, she goes by the handle Patty Cakes, and it's it's an indie movie, and it's fantastic. You will oh, absolutely I need, love I it. I need one of those. So Good. that would Good. never have actually made my list, but I thought I'll throw it on there as a mention. Yep. Right on. All right. So we're at the end here. Uh, I won the draft, so congratulations to me. Oh, wow. No. no. Mm. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll leave it up to you, the listener. Uh, the top 10 from the Milt uh, team, Almost Famous, Spinal Tap, Whiplash, High Fidelity, and Once. It's just called Once, right? That movie? Yep. Yeah. That's right. And uh, Dave's Picks, That Thing You Do, Amadeus, School of Rock, The Commitments, and The Jazz Singer. And I am, as Jewish as I may be, I'm already uh, regretting The Jazz Singer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I forgot. I forgot. Like when you said it wasn't. The, I forgot. Like Lucy Arnaz is in that movie. Like what was <laughs> right, I thinking? Right. But the music yeah. is just so, at the time. It's a nostalgic thing for me. Like we used to yeah, listen to the eight track in the car. Uh, so before we go, uh, I think you said you had. Oh yeah, what was the scene? So now we're into spoiler zone. So spoiler alert for the movie Rocket Man. You were going to mention something about the end of the film. Well, yeah, you know, the framework of the movie, just like you were talking about how the bookend in Walk the Line uh, was about Johnny Cash's performance at Folsom Prison, right? Yeah. The, the sort of linking, unifying thing about the film is that you see Elton John in a therapy session, right? And the, the film opens with him sitting down into this yeah. therapy group. And the film ends with this, this weird moment where he speaks to the characters in his life. He's talking to his mom. He's talking to his oh, dad. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. To himself. And then that, when it ends with him walking into the circle where his own little boy self asks him for a hug. Yeah. Made me want to throw up. And, <laughs> and what's, what's I'm seriously, I, I, I very rarely utter things out of control and I could not help but go, Oh, <laughs> And it turns out my wife and son sitting next to me, they loved that part. And it was, I was just like, oh, this is so bad. I was lukewarm um, on that particular moment. Yeah, because I had the same thing. Like, like you really got to buy in in order to appreciate a scene where not only is he facing his younger self, but he's hugging him. As strange, like what is the hug he didn't <laughs> get from his own parents? He I, now yeah, gives which, back by to the way, himself. It's a dramatic yeah. thing, but I mean, yeah. come on, it just didn't. And there's, yeah, there's still weird. song playing. It just didn't. <laughs> Very bad ending. Now the music is so good that you still walk out of the theater singing. I mean, I I, I was singing I was singing Border Song to myself the whole time because that was a neat scene where he's sitting with um, Bernie Taupin. Yep. Um, but the other thing that bothered me, and this is, and my son pointed this out, that I'm a, a, it's a problem when you know so much about the music and the history, which is the same when I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. The songs were so wildly out of order to where they actually they appeared were, yeah. in Elton John's life yep. that it bothered me. Like all of a sudden he was playing a song that I think was on like his fourth or fifth album. And it was when he was singing it in like the... Um, the agent's room before he'd even recorded yeah, it, a single album. It was, that, uh, it was. I guess that that's why they call it the blues, isn't that? That didn't ha right exactly. All those songs. That, I that, I had the same thought. I said, wait, he couldn't have possibly. Well, no, now maybe they did write it years ago and then record it ten years afterwards. But I don't think so. Eh, I didn't think I so either. Wrong again. I haven't read about it, but yeah. it, clearly the movie was not hewing to reality. It's almost worse in Bohemian Rhapsody because they were trying to act as if this was the true story. Right. But all of a sudden they'd be playing a concert song that didn't appear until like four years later or something like that. But what did you think of them closing it sort of kind of with I'm still standing? <laughs> the, uh, the redo of the video. Yeah. Right? That was kind of clever. I think, although I wonder how many people really like, if you're a young generation person, you probably don't even know what that video is. Right. Right. To me, it was, it was distracting because what Milt is referring to is, you see the video from I'm Still Standing, which 
was very recognizable to me because it was on like every 10 minutes on MTV in like, you know, 1989 or whatever it right. was. For a while, it was considered yeah. one of the great music videos, which I, I always hated that song. So I had a the problem song, with it. But. Well, that's the other problem I have with it. It's probably one of his worst songs. It just is. Like, I think he would say so as well. Like, it's catchy, but it's it was like uh, Elton John going a little too pop. Like, his... His songs, his great songs are soulful, like they're meaningful, you know, like they, they kind of make, they can make you cry. They can make you pump your fist, but, uh, yeah, uh but didn't Bohemian Rhapsody end on, um, playing, um, don't stop me now, I think, oh, which God. is like one of their great, like everybody loves that song right now. So you walk out of the theater, yeah. like you can't help but be singing it. Well, the only problem with that song is now it, now it's on like every fucking commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like enough. They definitely, yeah, they that was that. Yeah. But the, the move, uh, uh, Rocket Man did remind me of how many great songs that he had. Like for sure, and they could totally rock out. Like Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting is like rocks as hard as like uh, any Aerosmith song, you know. And then you know, Tiny Dancer, which has become I think probably my favorite song of all time now, just because it just drips with this like sentimentality. Like it's hard not to just get all choked up when you hear it. Uh, and well, then there are a couple. What song does the band sing in uh, Almost, Almost Famous? Famous yeah, it's, it's full Tiny circle. Dancer, right? yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I noticed there were a couple. I mean, like Funeral for a Friend and Love Lies Bleeding. Like that, 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 that song is sometimes that medley of a song is sometimes ranked as the greatest. That wasn't that didn't even appear in the movie. Oh, the, his, and, uh, you listen to his box set. You know, um, I don't even remember what it was called uh, to be continued maybe, or, but whatever it was, I mean, the sheer volume of great hit songs, these two guys did together. Um, is just my, oh, it's called I mean, two rooms, wasn't it? Oh, you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. I don't know who was to be continued. Maybe that was Rod Stewart. I can't remember, but huge, huge catalog. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I still don't think and the movie did it all. No, justice. I'm with you. I'm with you. And and just to conclude on an absolutely appropriate note, in when I was in IKEA today, they were playing Philadelphia Freedom uh, as I was walking through looking See, at the couches. Great song, yeah, pop, another pure great song. Pop, like, yeah, love it. I yeah. mean, amazing also story. Just wish it was more real. Yeah. A movie. That's all. All right then, Milt. Any cool. final thoughts as we uh, close out of this? Uh, oh, of wait. As I push the wrong button, and Dave, what the hell? Come on, Dave. I'm trying to do the well, outro music, not the intro music. God damn. The only final first, thought is that I am enjoying uh, my perch at the top of the American League East, much to the detriment of your beloved Boston Red Sox. But uh, we'll have to save that taunting for another uh, podcast. I'm. It's almost like I've checked out. Like The, the Sox look like such a poor excuse of, of what they were last year. It really? It, may, it makes weird. no sense. Yeah. It's like the lineup is still so killer. And yet that bullpen is so bad. You, it makes you wonder why the team was negligent in even thinking about, you know, putting it all together. But they're coming back. I, I still think the Red Sox are a playoff team. But well, just, they're not the juggernaut we thought they were. I know. It no, stands to not. reason that it's just, it sucks. I mean, this happens in baseball because it's so long. You can talk yourself into your team sucking and then being great within the span of, you know, like 17 days. You know, you can go from one opposite to the other. Right now, it, I don't even want to turn the games on. They suck. Come on, socks. <laughs> Come on, socks. You're, you're the, totally you're right. the champions. But they, they, they'll they be back. They, something will revert to the mean. But the Yanks look tough, I got to admit. And that's without half of our players. Yeah, so, blah, blah, you know, blah, I mean, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> First place. First place.
Maybe yeah, it'll be sorry. different the next time we speak. Probably not, but uh, well, we'll, we'll see. Well, thank you. Then. We did something for uh, pop culture today and our adoring fans out there. Go watch all fans. these movies if you haven't seen them. Don't go see Rocket Man if you believe Milt. If uh, you believe me, go do it. Save the your choice money. is yours. On the Boston Podcast, remember all past episodes at pod617.com if you'd like your own podcast. That's where you go. Go to the website, click on Contact Us, and we'll talk about your pod. And in conclusion, on behalf of Michael Milt Wolf, who's, uh, I love him, even though I tease him, I love him. I say, I'm the guy from Boston, and if you're not from Boston, you must be Milt, or you, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Later. Fever dog. (laughs) I hated it. (laughs) 